0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: It's um, nice to be back after being away for six weeks teaching this long retreat at the Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts. <coughs> and so I'm, uh, I'm just back. I just got back a couple of days ago. And uh, my, this is my first time back in this community following the election. And um, I would like to just offer a few reflections, just to start, and then open to a conversation more broadly. Um, you know, there's there's so much, um, so much pain happening right now in our country, and I do feel that the Dharma offers us some tools to meet. Meet that pain, meet that confusion in uh, many ways the The teaching of the Buddha is looking at the human experience, the human tendencies towards greed, aversion, and delusion, leading to suffering in the world so it's not um, it's not an abstract kind of teaching it really brings us right down to where are we in our lives how are we suffering and with the, the suffering in our, in our country right now I think that the tools of the Dharma can help us address that as well as our own suffering three, three things that I wanted to just mention that I feel are supports for us um, love wisdom and uh, ethics. There's there's so much hatred happening right now in our country, uh, ex- and being expressed. You know, so the that's uh, There's always been hatred. I think always there's hatred in hearts and minds, and the the practice of love, and compassion can help our hearts to meet that and to transform it in our own hearts and the practice of ethics helps us to um, not act out of that hatred and the uh, practice of wisdom or the exploration of wisdom helps us to counter confusion counter ignorance and in very real ways the thing that kind of motivated this this morning was reading about the fake news uh, and um, the person who acted on that fake news going to this pizzeria in New York and bringing a gun, searching for children, actually firing the gun. Fortunately, nobody was injured. Um, but believing these fake news stories, you know, this, uh, this um, teaching around, um, one of the wisdom teachings, I think, points to kind of our human propensity to um, I think what's called—I uh, can't remember the word. Some, it's, it's a bias, a confirmational bias. I think it's a bias that confirms what we already believe. You know that, that that we tend to take in information that confirms what we already believe. And this is something the Buddha pointed to 2,600 years ago. You know, these problems are not new human problems. They may be somewhat exacerbated. This uh, The fake news is, seems to be exacerbated on scale by the uh, the rapidity with which it is shared and the massiveness with which it is shared on uh, social media. In the time of the Buddha, actually right before I, I um, left, I gave a two-part talk on Angulimala and um, in that story, I mentioned propaganda being kind of one of the seeds for how that story unfolded. The propaganda that um, in, when Angulimala went to college, um, he was the model student, and the other students got jealous of him, and so they decided to put a, a break. Uh, between him and his teacher, by basically giving false news, you know, creating a false news story. Oh, we hear that we hear that Angulimala is plotting to overthrow you, and having it come from multiple directions. They consciously sent the information to the teacher multiple times from different groups of people. Propaganda. This is propaganda. False news. So this this false news thing is not uh, new and the the you know the, the the way part of the way we can help understand this the i mean what we can explore is recognizing our own biases that this is a this is a human propensity that when we have a bias in our mind we tend to search out information that confirms that bias and not only that we don't see or actively Ignore information that does not confirm that bias. It's very hard to undermine biases in our mind. I read also this morning, uh, following a chain in the news, uh, articles about false news and um, philosopher. Four hundred years ago, Francis Bacon also pointed to this in uh, human in our human minds, the ways that we tend to, based on our perspective and views, take in information that confirms what we what we believe. Whether we've created those beliefs based on our own experience, based on um, our culture, based on um, Taking in information from teachers or people we respect or political leaders, <laughs> whether those biases have been, those biases get created in many different ways. And the Buddha, in his teaching to the Kalamas, actually encouraged us to not simply take in information based on what we um, what what. Uh, based on common understanding, based on what we liked, information that we liked, based on uh, respect of a teacher, but to check it out in our own experience. And so these these tools of wisdom, of understanding basically something of how the mind works, this propensity that we all have, can help us to... uh, do our research. <laughs> Do our research. And I think coming back to ethics again, you know, the story of Angulimala, um, you know, the original people that spread the false news, they knew that they were spreading false news. So they were, they were behaving unethically. You know, they were spreading false reports. The people who received that information perhaps are acting on what they believe are true reports like this person going to the pizzeria acting on what he thinks is a true report i'm going to save the children that are locked in that pizzeria based on based on that based on on that there's action taken and um, ethics can help us in taking action first of all we need to confirm our information sources that seems so clear especially right now in this climate. We need to confirm our information sources. And then in taking action, we need to hold to, um, to ethics, to non-harming. This, this um, exploration of non-harming to me, though, is not about non-action. It's about acting in ways that don't create harm. The... Um, the teaching on love and compassion. You know, when, when the Buddha says that hatred never ceases through hatred, hate, through love, uh, through non-hatred alone. Actually, non-hatred is the word used there, not love. Non-hatred maybe being a little easier to contact for people that have uh, views very different from ours, <laughs> perhaps, than than what we think of as love. And yet this movement towards love, connection, in um, in terms of uh, engaging with people that we disagree with or have different views about, it's not it's not about not acting. I mean the there's so many frightening things that are potentially on the, on the radar. You know, the, the registry of Muslims, for instance, is a possible thing that might be enacted by our president-elect as he becomes president. Love doesn't simply mean that you just sit there and try to spread love. It may mean acting in ways It may mean taking compassionate action to counter and alleviate and actively oppose things that are unethical. And yet, acting unethically to impose unethical conduct perpetuates the cycle. And so we need to look at that, look at that that tendency to harden the heart and explore the possibility. So I, I, I really think that love, non-hatred and love, leading to compassion as we meet suffering and compassion being a very active emotion. Compassion wants to act to alleviate suffering and so the the call here is not about simply being you know silent meditators looking into our own (laughs) hearts and minds but also to to act in the world so compassion is an active emotion that motivates us to respond. To me, that is how action, the the actions that we often make are motivated by greed, hatred, and delusion. And so uh, compassion responds in a more skillful way. And I really think that you know, looking at love and wisdom or compassion and wisdom as our tools that support us in meeting the world and responding to the world, navigating the complexity of our world, ethics will help us to do it skillfully. so I wanted to s- save some time talk, have conversation no, I've not been here so I want to hear how how are you what are you looking at, what are you exploring in your practice, how are you meeting what's happening for you so open it up for
2: conversation yeah, behind you welcome back um, I've been Thank struggling you. with something for a while this was even pre-election, I don't know quite what to do with it and um, you know I, I listened probably as all of you uh, did or, uh, through the 16 months it was it was horrific it was brutal it was heartbreaking it was shocking to me and um, then um, at just realizing the election and still so heartbroken over it and somewhat fearful but I've, there are two women in my life. There's many women in my life, but there's two. They've been in my life for many decades. I've loved them. I've loved their children. They live in San Diego. And uh, they're both Trump supporters. And I can't... You know, I love these women, but if I would have met them, um, I would have nothing to do with them. So, you know, it's a real... It's You know, I want to stay as compassionate as I can to these two women that I love, but I'm sickened over their... Absolute defense of Trump and us, and it's like, do you not have any human de- decency? Did you not listen to what was said the last sixteen, sixteen months, as you know, women were de- devalued and 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 almost every color was devalued, and you know all the assaults that was that that was that and all the rhetoric on the, that was heard. Did you not hear what I hear? This has nothing to do with being a Republican or a Democrat. This is about you know. Loving kindness, equanimity, compassion—the right thing. So I'm really struggling with you know with these relationships because I really don't want to have anything to do with these women. Mm-hmm. We no longer we can we know we, we we're not walking the same path here. So how do I stay as loving and kind and compassionate as possible um, when really I I'm, I'm I'm appalled yeah yeah this is a good question and
1: one that I think certainly um, even in families this is coming up Um, uh, there were all these news articles about how to have conversations over Thanksgiving dinner and and you know now uh, the holidays coming up Um, um, you know I think we have to have a couple of different approaches here. One is um, recognizing what our own limitations are to begin to, to know to know whether this is that the, whether association with particular people is putting us into um, terrain that overwhelms us, um, basically. Um, if we, if we try to have uh, conversations with, um, with people that we disagree with around these, these topics, do we end up um, screaming and yelling at each, o- each other? <laughs> you know, do we end up just not being able to communicate at all? Does it worsen the, the barriers? Does it make the barriers thicker? When we try to have those conversations. And like with our own meditation practice. When we find something. That when we try to meet it. When we try to meet certain. Internal. um, Blockages and things that are stuck. When we try to meet those internally. Sometimes when we try to do that. We get. It's like. There's resistance. And it gets overwhelming. And it actually. Spirals, spirals us into that pattern making it worse and like with meditation when we find that trying to meet something really challenging it's useful to, uh, trying to me- if trying to meet something really challenging makes it worse we need to find skillful means to step back from it to uh, put our attention elsewhere to find a way to balance our hearts and minds so that's kind of the first thing to recognize: is this actually making the barriers worse to try to have conversations, or even to be with them? You know, to to so so know know that know whether, what your boundaries are, what your what your limits are. And then um, you know, kind of likewise with the, the meditation. Sometimes, as we meet something really challenging, it's useful to have a strategy of. Touch into it for a few moments and then walk away. Touch into it and walk away. Step away. You know. To, so with the meditation, when we have something very, very difficult, um, a pattern of anger or um, thoughts that are repetitive, if we touch into them and we just can meet them just for a moment and then we learn the skill of how we can step away from that, put our attention on something else, gather our strength and resources, not to separate but to... Uh, to gather our strength and resources so that we can go back and need it again. So similarly I think that th- this, this model for internal work also we can use in our relationships and so maybe with some people that we uh, we love we can um, make an agreement to <laughs> have brief conversations or you know just just touch into it a little bit and then know that when we step away from it, that we are gathering our resources to, to uh, step back in to that conversation. Um, the other part, when we are stepped away, potentially, I'd say, when we're stepped away from relationships like that, it's probably helpful to uh, see w- whether it might be possible, uh, you know, one way to explore things that are challenging Um, is to bring them up in our minds and then practice with what comes up in the moment. And so you might envision um, just one of these women. This is kind of the way metta practice works. Envision one of these women. Not in any conversation, but just envision the person as you know them. And See if there might be the possibility of not of, of non hatred towards that person. sorry agree to disagree um, potentially, although sometimes uh, you know that may be i don't i mean that, there, there can be some issues with agree to disagree too um, but uh, but at first to just to just you know see if you can. Maybe just reflect on how this person has has been, how you've been connected to this person. Just remind yourself of those connections, and then perhaps bringing in some of the 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 thoughts that you know the disagreements that you have. And what I'd encourage here is again reflecting on how easy it is for human beings to. As I, as I said, you know how easy it is for human beings to cement their biases by taking in information that agrees with what they believe and not taking in information that doesn't agree with what they believe. We all share this. We all share this. Um, this propensity, this, this inclination. We all have to look at it in our own hearts. I mean I, I see this in myself. I mean I see my propensity to read um, newspapers that share my political views. I'm aware of it and I will from time to time go to read things on another news source just to see how am I with that? You know, what, what, how, how do I respond to that? Um, and and you know to to, to listen to how it's being spun. And that helps me actually to see, oh, there's a spin on this side too. You know, so maybe reading both sides, I can see something in the middle. It's really hard to find something that's actually bias-free out there. So it's almost like we have to taste on both sides and, and learn <laughs> where is there something in the middle. And so knowing that we all have this propensity and the suffering that that creates the suffering that it creates that we have this propensity towards ignorance, towards, I mean, this, this tendency towards taking in information that confirms our biases and not taking in other information is a tendency of ignorance in the mind and the heart. That l- tends to lead us towards acting in unskillful ways. And so, re- reflecting on this, like the conditions of those women, their Upbringing, their perspective, the the culture that they grew up in, all fed them what they believe. I mean, we don't, we we, don't, you know, we all are fed information from our culture. And so, you know, I've heard I, I've heard some people talk about that very question you raised about. Didn't you hear these things? And 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 the the counter is well. Didn't you hear these things about Hillary? Didn't you hear these things about? bill and hillary you know so so the 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 um the the mind is so ready to take in certain information and not take in others actually sometimes we simply can't see information that contradicts our views uh or or even i mean i've told the story um be, I've told this story before uh, so forgive me for those of you who've heard it but even something as simple as an agenda can make us not see something that is glaringly obvious this story uh, well actually I'll tell it from my own perspective because I watched a, a television show, show on Perception recently. It was a four-part. I think it was a National Geographic series or something on perception. And they were using a lot of magic tricks to help uh, help you see how perception works and where they direct your attention. And, and that there's one time they said, see if you can see how this magic trick works. How, how does he make this, these things disappear? How does he make these things that he puts into this cup these keys put, to put into this cup turn into a soda. How does he do that? And so I was watching that to see if I could see how the magic trick worked. And I might have figured it out. I wasn't sure. But the real point of this particular thing wasn't to see how the magic trick worked, but to see if you saw the huge bunny walking by, <laughs> which I did not see. I did not see the huge, huge guy in a bunny suit walking by. So, you know, the, when we have an agenda, a, a focus, it's like, you know, they played it back and it's like, you can't miss the bunny, you know. But when we're really focused or when we have an agenda or a perspective, we take in what we're looking for. And we may not even see. We just, it's just not in our field. Consciousness is not taking it in. What we are not looking for. This happens to us not just with something like an agenda and focus, but our views, our beliefs, our attitudes. And so understanding that, we we understand it for ourselves, and we have to understand it is happening in everybody. It is multiplied by seven billion. And people will group with people who share their beliefs, further cementing their beliefs, so we have to have some understanding. This is where com- some compassion can come in, perhaps. Maybe this avenue for compassion to recognize that the the perspectives, the views th- that they're holding are reinforcing themselves. So, so maybe there's an avenue for compassion there. And then, you know, potentially to begin to... Um, to have conversations. And what I found interesting in terms of conversation is taking a deep breath and rather than saying, don't you see how wrong you are? Saying something like, why, why, why do you think that way? What are you concerned about? To, 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 um, to, to kind of hear What's underneath the the surface? So those are some, some a few thoughts. There's there's probably a lot more uh, a lot more um, things. I you know, the agree to disagree I feel like it, it creates a container perhaps where people can set aside things um, and yet it keeps things divided so the the I'm curious about the the um the idea of finding ways to uh, bridge come to understand and maybe bridge the divides, even with narrow bridges <laughs> um uh, c- and coming to understand a little bit you know especially in the underneath because you know actually I think. So there's a lot of suffering out there right now. Suffering, ah, uh, there's so much suffering, so much conflict, and, and yet in my own heart, in my own mind, I've seen so much suffering comes when, uh, you know, it's like anger and, and um, depression, all of these really reactive emotions arise in my own heart when, um, and there's a thread in both of those in, 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 th- in, the, in those reactive emotions, there's a thread to uh, a, um, a wish to be safe, to be happy, to be healthy, for my families, my family to be safe and healthy, and my friends to be safe and healthy. There's, there's a link between that anger and this wish for well-being. And what happens often is that wish for well-being kind of collides against things are impermanent, things are unreliable, and things are out of control, these truths that the Buddha points to. So these two, the wish for well-being, happiness, health, collides with this wish for or the, the truth of things are unreliable, impermanent, out of control, and suffering's created. Anger, frustration. Hatred, hostility, greed, pride created from the collision of those. And yet, and yet, the suffering itself points us back to those two. It's not like I sometimes say, sometimes it used to feel with my anger in particular. The anger and the self-hatred. I had a lot of self-hatred. Were wholly bad. I needed to like take a scalpel and like, excise it and like it was a cancer or something and I needed to cut it out and throw it away but what I've seen is that, the, that those emotions, the self-hatred the, the, um, the anger had their threads to love and truth and so it's not going to like just simply, it's just like we cannot cut out that excise that whole thing because it's got threads to wisdom and love. It's more like it needs to be loosened, dissolved in a way such that the, the constriction around that collision can loosen and point us back to those two threads. And I think the same model, like I'm, I'm seeing all these parallels between how we work internally you know, this, this looking at, you know, not to resist our suffering, not to reject our suffering, but to see what, what are the threads to wisdom and truth. Likewise with suffering in our world, you know, suffering in our communities, in our relationships, can we see what's underneath? You know, what the, the, the concerns underneath we share, I think, the wish to be happy, health, and safety, safe, and and yet we have completely different perspectives about how to get there. So to look at, you know, to, again, to look at the the clinging and the constriction around, um, you know, the, those those threads to love and to truth. It's like we 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 feel like. You know, we constrict when when these two meet, the the thread of of wanting to be happy, safe, and healthy meets the thread of impermanent, unreliable, out of control. We may feel like, well, either this is just completely wrong, we have to fix the world, or the wish for happiness and well-being is somehow wrong. And the heart the heart can begin to expand to recognize neither is wrong they are both kind of the nature of being human that we have this wish and when we have this wish for safety and happiness and well-being and we feel it collide with those truths often there's this constriction of it's not possible to be safe how do i how do i build my walls how do i make myself safe how do we do that and the the kind of the question is i think more how do we sit with the confusion and the reactivity around this collision and come to some understanding so i really think that our practice internally may we bring it to the world <laughs> you know may we bring this inner practice of exploring suffering to have the courage to do it in conversation to have the courage to and and know where our limits are know where our our boundaries are and and know when we need to take a step back so I hope that was at least a little bit (laughs) touching on your question um Liz oh could you get oh well we'll we'll get it later I'll share it okay
3: (laughs) quickly say um so I've been grappling with what can I do? How do I decide what I can do and what might really make a difference? Maybe I have to let go of that. Will it make a difference, the outcome, and just do? Um, I want to develop skills to listen. I do have a friend as well, a decades-old friend who is seeing things differently than I am. And I'm, I'm imagining... Bef- and preparing before I even start to listen. But I, it's listening, I think, that I'm starting to focus or narrow in on and how to do that and how to develop a really good skill to I, listen. I think
1: you just answered your own question. That, that that's, I mean, that's a beautiful place. I mean, in, in a way, the skill of listening is the beginning skill In a way, kind of like the mindfulness is the beginning skill that we develop to meet our own experience. Listening is the skill to develop to to begin to meet experience with others. And um, can we listen in a way that is neither checked out, kind of in a pseudo-equanimity, but also uh, not sucked in? So you know what? What might that listening be? Can there bring? Can we bring the tools of, you know, the seven factors of awakening: mindfulness, energy, interest, um, joy, delight, tranquility, equanimity, and some measure of stability of mind to our relationships? So to me, this is this is in some ways a, a call to bring the Dharma out into external interrelationship, into community. And uh, I mean, others have talked about this before, but it it, uh, it does feel to me like it's it's becoming accessible in a way to to look at how these tools of the Dharma can meet us in relationship as well. It's not just about looking inside and. And sitting in silence and closing our eyes and experiencing the seven factors internally, we can share this externally. And then once listening has um, strengthened, there may be certain areas. I mean, there's so many different areas. Um, you know, each person may be called to kind of look at action in some particular area. And, you know, I would, I would say probably, and this is something that's been inspiring to me to, to see just how much um, wise and ethical and thoughtful reflections there are going on. You can find those out there if you look for them. You can find those. And, you know, to gravitate around those, uh, those thoughts and ideas and, and what, what speaks to you what speaks to you most deeply? I mean, we might get kind of scattered trying to do too much in some ways, but you know what, what is it that speaks to you in the listening? Where does your heart want to respond in terms of action? To so be listening genuine. Sorry, to be genuine. to be genuine, and listening. Uh-huh.: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, pass it up to, to Liz and then we'll go to the
0: this has all been really helpful reflection thank you Um, especially around views and perception Um, I'm wanting to share um, an experience that I've had since the election that I haven't shared um, in like a you know more diverse group other than just like with one-on-one with friends which is that I got a haircut a couple of weeks ago and as I was getting my haircut I was kind of making these decisions about how my hair was going to be cut and noticed that um, as my hairstylist was cutting the sides of my hair shorter than I had wanted the first response was fear it was like oh no I'm gonna look really queer now like I already look really queer and I know that and I'm like you know I embrace that and it's who I am Um, but my first thought was like oh shit like, I'm going to be a target. I might be a target now. Like, thinking, oh, well, certain places I'll have to wear a hat. Certain places I'll just need to, like, be more aware of how I, I'm i perceived. Um, and I don't, but other than that, I haven't thought about it much. But then yesterday I was playing basketball with a friend. And um, looking hella queer again. And I'm like, that's that's just like my MO is like, that's, you know, I I wear that on my sleeve. And these like teenage kids like drove by and yelled some really hateful homophobic things. And I was just like, even here, you know, it's like, and it was helpful for me because I have a lot of relative privilege and it's easy for me to be like, oh, it's, yeah, it's really bad right now, but it doesn't really affect me. And yesterday it was like, no it it does, and I can't even imagine what it's like outside of this bubble, which there's already a lot of hatred that people are um you know feeling maybe more um, more guts to sort of put out there yeah um and I think I just wanted to share that just just as a way to make that not invisible yeah um and uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's real. For some of us, it's like a daily thing. Like thinking, you know, am I safe here? And I can't even imagine what it's like for others. But I know what it's like for me, and it's it's hard. Yeah, so. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Over here.
4: Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's kind of a non sequitur because it's going back to, um, to meeting the difference in the view with compassion. And I'm finding that it is really an amazing avenue to feel compassion um, with differences going on since the election and hearing from people that you have relationships with that you don't necessarily agree with. And I just wanted to share <laughs> something that helps me in, um, has helped me in similar situations to see that if you go far enough left you end up right. <laughs> and my <laughs> my um, son who is uh, very he's, he's quirky for less, less, uh, lack of a better word but he's very black and white thinker and he, um, he's very up in arms with the corporations in this uh, country um, destroying rainforests, doing things unethically that hurt the world and people. And one of those corporations is McDonald's and he and so if there is a request anywhere to go to McDonald's and he has to participate at all his reaction is to then yell at the drive-in people hmm. and as we go in it go through or something similar so he's meeting his he his intention is so in the going open-heartedly but the outcome is so contrary to that yeah and along the similar lines as a mother um, I, I, I see this I practice this in myself as a parenting but I saw a very clear example of this going all the way to the one side brings you all the way to where you don't want to be or don't, don't think you were going to be there and you find yourself on the same side you were thinking you were trying to be on the opposite side of um, uh, I was on a field trip and um, the teacher the, no, the bus was very noisy and the, and the kids were yelling and talking to each other, they were so excited about what they'd seen and all this interesting dialogue, but it was very loud. And the teacher, and there was yelling. And the teacher stood up and said, Stop yelling on the bus. And I sat there and I went, She just yelled on the bus. And unfortunately, her reaction cut off the amazing dialogue that was happening with the students. They were so excited about this amazing thing they had seen. And so her, and, and that stopped yeah. the beauty. And she's actually was it hypocritical or it, it, I mean that sounds too harsh but it was ignorance of the mind yeah, yeah. and I just find that fascinating so I catch myself I can so this is this is
1: the nuance in the middle of you know how do we and, and I think again it's it's you know, like with your with the story of your son yelling at uh, people it's like it, it that's like meeting something with resistance rather than listening you know so it would be like in our own in our own experience and that this is the other thing i think that's so helpful to recognize you know like these forces of greed aversion and delusion uh you know nobody has a lock on those you know we share those and um the 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 possibility, as we look, as we this, and this is another way I think we can make a bridge, perhaps, as we look in our own hearts, as we look in our own minds, you know, to see that kind of tendency, that tendency to yell above yelling, or the tendency to, um, you know, to to counter something with a, a kind of a resistant force. You know, we we can start to see in our own hearts that tendency to resist, that tendency to fight, and that that tendency to be harsh you know that's the seeds of the con- that's the seeds of conflict too i was at one point early very, pretty early in my practice it was kind of a very humbling insight um, I, was, I was just recognizing how much my thoughts about this one particular person, exploring a lot of anger, opening to the experience of anger, knowing the experience, knowing what was happening, knowing the thoughts around it, and seeing, as I was angry, seeing little quiet thoughts of, you know, I hope he somehow gets really, you know, maybe somebody will, will like, drive over him, or, you know. It's like, wow, Really? I'm wishing this person harm in my mind. I don't think I, I would have really, you know, wanted it to happen, but, but the thoughts were there. You know, the thoughts were there. The, the thoughts of wanting the person that I was angry with, who I felt had harmed me, wanting them to be harmed in some way. And in that recognition, seeing into that in my own experience, I saw, wow, you know, that's the seed of war. You know, it's not I'm not separate from that seed. It's in there. And so to to not think anybody has has the you know the the uh, the lock on that tendency, we all have that. And this again is where I think our practice can help us to to see that and to have some compassion for for that. Finding ways potentially (laughs) to support seeing that, you know, so you know, like when we, when we see in our own hearts when I saw in my own heart that wish for him to be harmed there could have been an equal squash of that but it was more kind of a sense of wow, this multiplied by 7 billion no wonder there's so much suffering in the world and so it was a, it was a sense of it created a sense of connection in a way and a sense of wanting to see that more and more to, in my own heart so that I wouldn't act out of it in ignorance. So, you know, maybe, may, I, I don't know, the, the, the possibility, I've definitely seen the possibility to see these patterns at work in my own mind. Maybe somehow our, our Dharma community, our listening, can help others see... <laughs> The pattern, too. So, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, i since. Uh, yeah, could you use the, the mic? Oh,
3: I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so loud. I don't need a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been, uh, and I need to shake it. I have been very sad since the election, and it's not just because. No, I, I guess it is. I stopped watching the election results because it was like, I can't, I can't stand this. I'm going to go to bed, and hopefully a miracle will happen, and I will wake up tomorrow and be ready to do a happy dance. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up the next day, and I was actually afraid to turn the TV on to see what the news was. And I did turn on the TV, and I was like, oh, my God. And what I've been dealing with, um, extraordinary disappointment because... What the results told me was I was wrong. I thought I lived in a country where not everybody believes as I do, but overall we believe in the tenets of the Constitution and we are a place where we are a country that accepts and rege- accepts, um each other in general and rejects racism and bigotry and homophobia and I'm not quite sure what to call that repugnant demonstration made in uh, scorn of the uh, disabled reporter. That we don't accept that kind of behavior. We say no and to wake up that morning and find out, oh my god as a nation, we say yes. Although the showing of the popular vote over time, it's like, okay, it's an electoral college kind of thing, but still that it happened. Um, that people who are gay, I have, I have more than two gay friends, but I have a gay couple friend that I adore. They have two daughters. I fear for them. I have a friend whose son is leaving the country because his wife is Muslim. She's already... Had problems, so they're moving back to Toronto. So that's another thing. For centuries, this has been a place where people have come from all over the world to be safe, and now there are people leaving because it's not safe. And I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to, other than to not participate in that kind of behavior. Um. Uh. Not shop at Ace when they say they won't supply generators to the. I mean, I know the D, the pipeline has been stopped temporarily, probably, but I just don't know what to do as an actual act, act. yeah, to counter it. I'm going to start volunteering for Planned Parenthood uh, because I also found out that as a whole, <laughs> this country thinks that part of my body belongs to the government. Every woman on this. In, the world, in this country, they believe that part of their body is not theirs, it belongs to the government, or should. So I, I just don't know what to do, and I'm just so very, very unhappy.
1: So, so the, I mean, there's several threads to what you've um, said. I think, you know, the unhappiness... Uh, acknowledge it, you know, go through it. You know, we do have to... Uh, recognize the the emotions it's not not to repress those emotions and so to to, um, to recognize the sadness that's happening I mean to some extent I, I, I do feel um, you know in particular around racism it's like it, it seems um, much more clear to probably most white people in this country that there's racism in this country I think there had been a myth <laughs> going on for a while that the country wasn't racist, and it's now like you know, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of thing that it's it's uh, you know we've been deluded thinking this country was not racist, not homophobic, not not um, you know. T- so to some extent, there's a more it's more um, out there, and yet being out there, it's also more dangerous perhaps so that's that's where i'm concerned about ethics you know it's like i'm glad to find out you know it's like the stuff that's underneath you know like when i look into my own experience i'm glad to see that thought i hope he gets hurt you know i'm glad to see that thought because it can we can deal with it when it's under the surface we can't deal with it and so there's some of that i think it's that there's a, a way in which the it's like, it's out there now. It's a huge mess out there now. <laughs> so to some extent, we have maybe more to do to to address it. And and taking action is one way. Um, you know, I, I read an article that kind of was inspiring about, you know, what to do if you see somebody targeted. You know, ha- how to respond to that. And... Um, So, so you know things like that to just to just, um, as you say, to 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 not be passive. That's I think that's that's an important piece. I think we've we've often in this country uh, felt, well, somebody else is doing something; it's not my business, and it feels very much like it's all of our business in some way to respond to hatred when it's being expressed. It's not. It's it's not just you know uh, something to step back and let them deal with it. So um, and then in terms of what to do, again as I said earlier, you know there's so many different areas. Um, You know volunteering for Planned Parenthood, that's a piece that feels very very um, close to your to your heart. So I encourage your uterus close to. <laughs> Close to your body. <laughs> so, so, you know, to 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 find those places where it does feel like there's a heart connection, we're not going to all be able to address all the different pieces, but to find the place where you have that heart connection and explore with compassion, the listening and the the compassionate action.
3: I've spoken before, you know I come from violence and stuff like that, so I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't know what it's like to be hurt. But I don't want this young lady to be in a state where she's, and, 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 and her bro- our brothers and sisters, but you know what I mean when I say your brothers and sisters, but they're mine too. Um, I don't want them to walk around in danger. I mean, and she's living here in the San Francisco Bay area, the Like the world capital of airy-fairy, let's all love each other, let's all care about each other. But it's still dangerous here because things are happening here. And I don't, I can't stand that Blair's, oh, I'm sorry, my friend's son and daughter-in-law are literally, today, they're still packing because they're literally leaving the country, but she's already had problems. Because
1: she wears, I can't remember what it's called, but
3: she wears the... The, the scarf, yeah. Yeah, well, actually
1: she just wears a scarf, I just call it a scarf. So, I so, do, I so... so I, the, like. I want to do more Well, I, I would first see if there can be some sense of uh, opening to what is here. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have to kind of be honest about what's here. And that, that it is dangerous. Is what is here. How do we meet that? And not with. Um, I mean, there will be some fear. There will be, hate. There will be hatred that comes in response to hatred. And yet, that is the place that you know we need to we need to unveil that in ourselves so that we can um, uh, maybe find a way forward. Maybe find a way forward. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Part of the other thing, you know, I think we, we have to, to um, be prepared for more suffering. <laughs> you know? And how do we meet that? How do we meet it? So it's time to stop. Thank you for the conversation.